Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Crazy. The Patriots have won the Super Bowl. I'm sure you all watched. It has to be considered the best Super Bowl of all time. I genuinely feel for Falcons fans, just the way it went down. Unbelievable. Unbelievable game. Um, What we're going to do today, general overview, some thoughts of it, and then I'm going to Spend 24 hours re-watching it, um, read, watch, write, t- take notes, write articles, talk to other people, and get back to you tomorrow, hopefully, with more observations, you know, more tactical things that we saw, why the game changed, why the game started the way it did. And for you, for those of you that didn't listen on Friday, you know, and basically all last week is... I really thought this was a very favorable matchup for New England, you know, and I thought they were going to win big. So I could not have been more shocked when the game started the way it did. And of course, the comeback was unbelievable, and we'll get into that too. But wow. Um, the other thing that blew me away too, which I just didn't see coming, was the pass rush from both teams. And again, we'll talk about that too. But I thought both teams would have a hard time influencing Ryan and Brady. And that was not the case. That <laughs> was not the case. So what I did was I just kind of took notes as I went. And so these will sort of be chronological. And like I said, I mean, I was shocked from the get-go that it was blowout city at the beginning. It was, holy cow. But some early notes, you know, I thought Deion Jones, Julio, Freeman, all looked really spry, really explosive, making plays all over the place, showed up huge, you know, all three of those guys early. You know, I'm, I'm talking first 20 minutes of the game, give or take. I, I was really keeping an eye on Alex Mack. I thought, boy, he looks healthy. That's gonna, That's a huge difference for them. I didn't really see that coming. I thought he'd be a liability from the start. Although, I think as the game went on, whatever he took started to wear off and he was not as effective as the game went on and was part of their issues in closing out New England. Um, the blunt fumble was was interesting because if you guys listened, listened Friday or maybe that one was Thursday, whatever, I had talked about how I thought a huge advantage for New England was to use brute force. Blunt, a fullback, Bennett, extra offensive lineman, maybe just one receiver on the field. And we saw very little of that. And maybe the game plan was go small and go fast and then put them away with those type of tactics. And then, you know, the game script got away from them and they couldn't use that, you know, use that formula. Or, you know, Blunt fumbles and then he ends up in the doghouse, you know, when the game is still pretty close. So we didn't see much of that, and 
I had said last week, that's how I would have started the game, was just boom, boom, you know, just lots of pounding and pounding and try to tire out a defense and then go speed. Uh, I guess the other way around would have worked, but that's not the way it happened. So we didn't see much of that tactic. Blunt was not the factor I expected him to to be. I also think it's worth noting that this is a very good stripping of the football defense. You know, they get a lot, they're fast, they get a lot of bodies to the ball, they tackle the ball, they get, they do a great job of getting it out. So uh, that was, you know, noteworthy. You know, it's just something to, to mention for the Atlanta. Um, again, the thing that shocked me, besides it being an early blowout, was both teams got pressure. You know, the, the Pats O-line was getting whipped. I mean, whipped in the first half in the run game and certainly in protection. You know, Jarrett versus Mason was bad. I, I Going to this game, and I still probably believe this, but I thought Mason was their best offensive lineman. And I don't know if you know his story. He's a sh- very short guard that came out of Georgia Tech that basically did no pass protection in that offense in college and has learned and has gotten pretty good there, but he's certainly more of a run blocker. Well, him against Jarrett is like, you know, two really short, squatty, explosive dudes. Jarrett's like an Aaron Donald, low to the ground, bowling ball of butcher knives. So it was one of the few guys in the league where Mason doesn't have a distinct leverage advantage against, too. I mean, it's like two short guys battling it out. I mean, it was it was an interesting matchup, and I hadn't uh, seen that one last week coming. And, boy, it really favored Jared. He played unbelievable in this game, and he's a really, really good player, foundation player for them, highly productive in college, uh, really playing well. But Freeney was also kicking the snot out of Solder at left tackle, too. I mean, th- there was... An, un- uh, an awful lot of pressure and a lot of it coming from the interior and from Freeney in, the, in basically the first, what, half or so of the game. Uh, that was a huge storyline to me. And Atlanta's press coverage was playing, you know, was causing a lot of problems. You know, where they, there was no doubt that, that their secondary was winning. Alford was winning against Edelman. Um, Brady also probably missed... Four or five throws, a handful, let's call them a handful. I haven't charted or anything yet. Um, throws that he usually makes, but he was under pressure. He was getting hit a lot. His receivers weren't helping him as much as you would expect early in the game, and they were losing their battles. And we would see some alignments, too, where you know New England would spread them out, and, and Atlanta had four corners on the field. You know That's unusual. You don't see many four-corner alignments in the NFL from, from a defensive perspective. So... Just some notes there and some tactical things. And again, tomorrow we'll get into more of those. Um, you know, on that second Atlanta touchdown, they must have really liked the Hooper on Chung alignment. And I thought we'd see more Chung on the uh, running backs. But the fact is, Atlanta didn't run that many plays. It's kind of it, that side of the ball is a little hard to analyze. Um, but then they, you know, they, they 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 hit Hooper on the second try there on that second touchdown, and, and then on the extra point. I thought the Pats got screwed on that. You know, that they they got flagged for jumping over the center, but it was clearly not over the center. I mean, maybe it was the A-gap, or I thought it was more jumping over the guard, which, you know, I, I kind of thought, like, ah, I wonder how long Belichick's been holding that one. You know, instead of jumping over the center, we'll jump over the guard, which really shouldn't be illegal, but they called him for being illegal. I thought that cost the, the Patriots a point. Um. 
and then the next drive, or recently after, all that was the, the defensive holding drive for the Atlanta secondary. And, and we talked about this too, and I expected both secondaries, but I would have said more New England's. But still, there was a lot of man coverage in this game, so it makes sense. But both secondaries were very physical, very grabby. Um, and I thought that, that the the refs called this right. I mean, I I, I think that the, the holding calls on that drive um, were proper. There was one I was I thought was a little ticky tacky, but overall I thought that was the right call there. Um, and you know the, the the thought process is we're going to grab on a huge game like this as much as until you make us not with flags because we know that the general audience and the people that only tune in for this game don't want to watch a game littered with flags and we don't want the refs to control things. So you let's see if human nature will allow you to throw flag after flag. And on that drive, they did. And um, still, but Brady was still under constant pressure there. And that drive ends with the, the Alford pick six. And, and that, that's, then it's 21 zero with two twenty one left in the half. And this, at that point, that's the second pass turnover uh, along with the blunt fumble. And I thought that was the wrap. You know, I really did. And if you if you look at that that coverage, it seemed to me that Brady was flat out confused, did not expect Alford where he was. You know, they played a lot of man coverage, a lot of lurk concepts underneath too with, you know, this guy is just going to read you or, you know, kind of be a free-flowing player or some switching of coverages too, even though it was man. Um, that was great play calling and Brady was confused on that one and it cost him huge, cost him huge. And Brady had some clear misses in the first half, as I mentioned, uh, a couple of the first half notes here. I thought Freeney was awesome rushing the passer. Brady took quite a few hits and without a lot of blitzing too. I mean, that's the other, uh, other thing to mention here too, is there wasn't a whole lot of blitzing from, I haven't seen the stats, but it didn't seem like Atlanta came after them much at all and was getting there without having to blitz. Um, and then, you know, Bennett takes that holding call right at the end of the half and they throw that really goofy tight end screen to him on the next play. I didn't understand that at all. I mean, I, I know I'm not one to criticize plays that don't work on Monday, but I don't know what you could have gained out of that. I, I didn't understand the logic of calling that play at all. But anyways, they settle for three and it's then 21-3 going into the extended halftime. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. So like I said, teams go into the half. It's 21-3. Out comes all the stage production and Lady Gaga. And, you know, we're not going to sit here and talk too much about the performance. But I thought it was pretty good. You know, I thought it was entertaining. I can't say I a huge fan of hers or no no much of much of, I could probably name more than four or five songs but I thought it was pretty damn good you know good good work gaga but back to tactical standpoint that extended halftime I don't think did Atlanta any favors at all 
I mean, there was a stretch of well over an hour. And actually, I heard today it was an hour and eight minutes of real time, you know, that um, from when the Atlanta offense saw the field, then there was that long Patriot drive, Gaga, and then, you know, until they actually got back out there again, you know, and, and they got the ball to start the half. You know, they weren't on the field for an hour and eight minutes of real time. It has to be hard on athletes. I mean, you're used to a, a short, quick, you know, go refresh your batteries, listen to the coach type of halftime, and you're just standing around that long after such momentum. And, you know, you go three and out to start the half, a nice punt return by Edelman, and then Hogan has a big drop on first down, Edelman has a big drop on third down. So... Then I was like, oh, man, yeah, Atlanta's – that was a gift kind of from New England. It was well, not a gift. I mean, it was Edelman made the play, made the return. But they wasted such good field position and go three and out, a huge missed opportunity for the, the, the Pats. And at that point, you're kind of looking like, boy, it's not their day. They've already had two turnovers. Uh, they got screwed out of the extra point point. They, you know, dropping passes. Brady's not sharp. They can't protect as well. And then, you know, Atlanta marches down the field and basically ends the game. It's 28-3. to 3. Like, wow. You know, and the note I'm here, you know, I wrote to myself at that point was, I thought the team that would be prone, yeah, and everyone thought this, the team that thought that you would be more prone to make the big mistakes was Atlanta. And that's so very, very not true, you know. So, you know, at that point you're looking at like, the Pats are getting outplayed. They're losing at the line of scrimmage. Their offense can't keep up with Atlanta's at all. And they're the team making the big mistakes and or not capitalizing on any other opportunities that they get in a game. And that's what it felt like. It's 28-3. So, very time-consuming drive. Ends with the white touchdown catch. Makes it 28-9. Goskowski hits the upright, so that's another point. I mean, there was two points, and that's the second of the two in the kicking game, in the extra point game, um, that cost you know, New England two points. And then he, then Goskowski screws up the onside kick. And, and honestly, at 28-3 after such a long drive, you're like, okay, there's still life here. But Atlanta's probably happy that it took you that much time to drive down the field. Um <laughs> you got a long way to go. You're not stopping us anyways. Uh, okay, we gave up a touchdown. It was only six points, and it ate up a ton of clock. And then that Goskowski inside onside kick, I thought was a great play design. He was going to kind of go down there and just get in the way while 10 dudes jumped up the football, and who knows who ends up with it. But he's not watching the football, and it hits him, and it's like, oh, man. Just (laughs) everything that can go against New England is, and it's their own fault. But their defense was really tough and and shut down the Falcons, but I just kept thinking, boy, there's a lot of time going off the clock. There's so much time going off the clock. Pats get the ball back. Um, a, A good drive by them again. You can see they're just racking up plays here. Ended by Jarrett on back-to-back sacks, and they settle for a field goal. And it's 28-12 to 12 at that point, and they made a note on the screen, you know, at this point, the Pats have run 
double as many plays as Atlanta. And that held true, and I think that was a huge reason for the comeback, too. I really do think fatigue was the number one reason for the comeback. You know, that they were just on the field too long. Um, and another stat they put up at this point, too, in his first 27 dropbacks, Brady was hit 14 times. You know, and that, and that, and that started to, uh, you know, decrease, obviously, as the game went along. Third one from the shotgun, though, with a 16-point lead. Hightower with the strip sack, recovered by Pats in great field position. And, again, I am not going to bash Shanahan too much today. Uh, he obviously has extreme faith in the best offense in the league. They were moving the ball really well. I get it, but you're third and one in the shotgun, you know, bad things can happen and bad things happened. And uh, you can see, and that just comes up again, obviously, after the unbelievable Julio catch that maybe just run the ball and kick it and the game's over. And looking back, yes, on that third and one, if you just run the ball, even if you don't get it, obviously that's a better result than this. Um, I thought Malcolm Mitchell had a nice second half. He started to come on. Uh, Amendola scores a touchdown right after the strip sack and they get the two... On a, on a nice move on a, that direct snap to White, who obviously played a great game, you know, where Brady fakes it going over his head. So Pat's really down eight now at this point with 5.56 on the clock. They Then they show an onside kick, and Goskowski very, you know, very nicely kicks short of the goal line, something that it, or New England's done all year. I don't understand why more teams don't try to pooch kickoff more, but of course New England's ahead of the curve and they've been doing it all year. And Atlanta's, you know, Atlanta's cue, you know, keying on the onside kick anyways, perfect time. So Atlanta starts at their own 10. Um, then Freeman's wide open in the flat and takes it upfield for 39 yards, one of the biggest gainers of the of the game. And it's like, man, just when you think New England's coming back, that they blow something like that, and you can't do that against such a good offense. Schrader was hurt on that play, the starting right tackle. Coleman had gotten injured a little before that. And then not shortly after, the unbelievable, insane sideline catch by, by Julio. I mean, wow. I mean, that's as good a catch as you ever see, period. He's the best receiver in the league. Wow. I mean, that's all you say. But then you go back to the question and the play calling again. You know, at that point, you're really sitting pretty to win this game. I mean, the clock's going down. But then they decide to throw in a giant sack by Flowers, who played really well, too, you know, from an in, from the in, interior. And Ryan just can't take that sack there. And it ends up with Atlanta being out of field goal range. They punt 338 on the clock. So... I made the joke, observation, whatever on Twitter that it reminded me of the Montana early 80s Super Bowl, the awesome drive he had against the Bengals where everyone in the stadium's crapping their pants and he supposedly gets in the huddle and laughs and points in the first row and there's John Candy. And I wrote something on Twitter, something along the lines of, oh, there's John Candy in the front row, you know, sincerely Tom Brady. Because he was cool as could be, like Joe, like his hero, made some throws out of his own end of the field. Um, and then Edelman makes the David Tyree, Jermaine Curse, insane catch, the, the first two that went against the Pats, um, big time. 
And then, <laughs> you guys probably don't care about this, but I sure did. My DirecTV feed just started crapping all over itself, too. Basically, from that point on, from like the Edelman point until the end of the game, sort of an important time in my job and in the history of the sport and in the biggest game of the year, my DirecTV feed was just mumbled nonsense, and you could kind of hear it, you could kind of not. Um, I tried to fight through it for a while, and then I went and just streamed the game, which was like 30 seconds behind. I shut down Twitter, but it was a nightmare. I was saying bad words. I was throwing things. It was very unhappy, and uh, DirecTV is going to get a call. That made me bonkers. And the only reason I was with them was for the Sunday ticket anyways. Anyways, so that couldn't have happened at a worse time. <clears throat> um, but White scores the touchdown there <clears throat> to bring it within two. And then they get it to Amendola on that receiver, quick hitter to tie it. You know, 19 fourth quarter points from the Pats. Atlanta gets a ball with 52 seconds on the clock, and you know, doesn't nothing results of that drive. First OT in the history of the of the Super Bowl on on the last play, and this was overlooked. I haven't heard anything about it today, and it didn't matter obviously. But Lewis, he's so injury prone too. Deion Lewis and I root for him, but pit guy, and I love the way he plays. Got hurt, non-contact, knee, ankle, something bad on that trick type of play. I hope he's okay. I hope Coleman's okay. I don't know any more of the injury news. But, you know, that's storyline number 100 in what happened at this, at this point of the game. Pats get the ball in overtime. I mean, you guys know what happened. The protection was much later, much, much better late in the game. Uh, White sets a Super Bowl record for receptions. An easy, like, Sunday morning off uh, overtime drive by Brady. Almost completes with Bennett in the end zone. Almost was picked off. You know, the throw in a fade to Beasley. Uh, you can question the fade there. But Bennett on Beasley, a pass rusher, is a matchup you'll like. It, it didn't work out for them. Uh, Beasley got a hand on it. But the shot, the chances of Beasley picking that ball off are, are pretty slim. I, I, I would have been shocked if that is how it went. But then it's but he get, there's a penalty and it's first and goal on the two. White gets in the end zone. And then that wasn't a it's clear cut I thought as everyone made it out to be. Although I was watching on a TV that was not working and a laptop that was behind and I was frantic. And history is made. So again, tomorrow we are going to talk more about these guys went you know, nickel package and who played this guy. And we saw a lot of four corners from Atlanta and uh, the pass rush changes and break it down further. You know, I haven't watched the game a second time yet. It, it's a little afternoon here, Easter on Monday. Uh, but I did want to get this out to you sooner in our regular time. And tomorrow we'll you know really point out a few observations. And I am going to write an article for FanRag about you know, how the comeback happened, what were some key components, and we'll really touch on that. But a huge one to me, like I said, was fatigue. You know, you play that much man coverage and rush the passer 72 times, and the Patriots run double the amount of plays as the Falcons. That really favors the offense, and, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all, and Brady uh, was under less and less pressure, and was a lot more comfortable. And I think a lot of that had to do with just the defense was worn out. And I think that was a huge, huge component of it all. So, all right, guys, take care uh, again, an unbelievable day or unbelievable game. Um, almost made all the crappy playoff games up to that point worth it. 
And But, man, unbelievable. I feel for you Falcons fans. Unbelievable. All right, guys. Take care. Spread the word. Locked on NFL.